Greetings. Welcome to the Joshua Jenkins program. Thank you for listening. wanted to talk a little bit this evening about the last days. Yes, the last days. We'll just get right into it. In Acts chapter 2, this is a passage that's often used and uh, misused and abused. So hopefully we can shed a little bit of light on this passage in Acts 2. There's a great sermon by the Apostle Peter. He does a lot of quoting in the Old Testament. Um, Quotes from the prophet Joel, which is what will concern us, and a couple quotations from the book of Psalms. But that quotation he uses from Joel is what we will consider this evening, as that is the most one of the one of the highly used passages on the last days. I'll just read here. This is uh, at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon the people, the believers there gathered together in Jerusalem, and um, the people begin speaking in tongues and. Uh, this is this is kind of what happens here, and as they're speaking in tongues, you know, it's it's the tongues there. They're hearing the gospel in their own language. This is real human languages, and as the people are speaking in other languages, each group of people there, there's all these different nationalities, ethnicities there together in Jerusalem, and they're all hearing the gospel in their own language, that's the tongues. And, of course, everyone's amazed at what's going on. It's, it's unbelievable. They're so amazed. In verse 12 of Acts chapter 2, it says, All amazed, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. And so you see the sight going on. Some are amazed. Other people there are mocking them, saying, these guys are these guys are drunk. This is crazy. They're drunk. They're filled with new wine. Then Peter, he stands up. He lifts up his voice and he addresses these people. This is what he says: Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And here Peter begins to quote from the prophet Joel. It's actually from Joel 2. You can look it up. He says this, quoting from Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. 
And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then Peter goes on and delivers a wonderful message, something worth looking at another time. But the point to uh, look at for our discussion this evening is the last days. People often use the passage in Joel 2, whether they go directly to Joel 2 or whether they go to its being used here in Acts chapter 2, and they say, oh, this is the last days. This is a prophecy about the last days, before the end of the world, before the tribulation or after, whenever you believe it is, or uh, before Jesus returns. And things are going to get really bad. These are the last days. God's going to do these certain things. The Spirit's going to be poured out. There's going to be dreams and visions and prophecies and signs and wonders and blood and fire and smoke. The moon's going to be turned to darkness. Or uh, the sun t turned to darkness and the moon turned to blood. And that's where you got the whole thing of, oh, people selling books called the blood moons and all this. But... The problem is when people assume that this passage is talking about the end of the world, they are failing to do good biblical exegesis. Because this passage is not talking about the last days of the end of the world. Just because the term the last days is used why do we automatically assume it's talking about the end of the world? What basis do we have for believing that? But you may, it may be safe to assume that a term like last days could be applied to the end of the world were it not for other factors that necessitate that it's not. If you look at the context of this passage, What's going on? Like I said, the Spirit has come at Pentecost. They're speaking in tongues. Everyone's hearing in their own language. And there's mockers there. And what's their accusation? These guys speaking in tongues, they must be drunk. This is crazy. They're drunk. Peter stands up. He says, no, they're not drunk. But in fact, what's going on here? What you see happening right in front of you that you're mocking this is actually what the prophet Joel prophesied about. And then he goes on to quote from Joel chapter 2. And the quotation begins, and it says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, so on and so forth. In those days I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So what was going on there in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 was a fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel chapter 2 that prophesied of the quote-unquote last days. This means that the last days as Joel 2 prophesied about and as used here in Acts chapter 2 it's not the last days of the end of the world. It is, in fact, the last days. If you look at the time period that Pentecost took place and in which Peter is speaking here, 
what was that time period the last days of? We know it can't be the last days of the end of the world because Peter said in his day, in the first century, that Joel 2 prophesied right now about what right now is going on in the first century, and he called it the last days. So the last days of what? Well, that would be the last days of the Jewish eschaton, or the uh, Old Covenant era, so to speak. You see, this is something that a lot of modern Christians don't understand quite the significance of. But the judgment that was sent upon Jerusalem in the first century, culminating in the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. And it's uh, not just, it was way more than simply a historical event, but it was of great theological significance. Because you had Jesus who died, rose again, ascended into heaven. Um, this would have been in the 30s AD. And then in between the 30s AD and 70 AD, this is what we would call, I guess, for lack of a better term, the overlap period. Because when Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, the Jews didn't stop making sacrifices in the temple, following their Jewish laws and Christless religion. That kept going on. And yet, also in that period, the gospel is going out, the disciples, the apostles go out, and they're preaching. Pentecost happens, the Spirit comes. People are being converted from all the nations of the world at that time. So it's kind of this overlap period. Well, while you still have the Jewish religion, sacrifices being made in the temple going on, and yet the gospel is advancing, Gentiles are coming to the faith. And uh, it's, it's the overlap period. Because then 70 AD comes, and leading up to years, you know, several years before 70 AD, leading up there was the Jewish and Roman wars and all kinds of great tribulations that came upon Jerusalem and the Jews. And in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. Not one stone was left upon another. And it was a horrible, horrible thing for the Jews in a horrible time period. You can uh, read much about it in Josephus' works and other various documents. But you can also read about it. We people don't realize you can read about it in the prophecies. So many of the prophecies in the Old Testament prophets are prophesying about that great day of the Lord, the destruction on Israel for its apostasy, for its going to other gods and the breaking of the covenant and ultimately culminating when Jesus comes in the first century of crucifying Christ and saying, we have no king but Caesar. Crucify him. And so they were judged by God for being the uh, breaker of the covenant. And um, so that would be the last days 
that Peter is talking about. The last days of this Jewish age between the 30s AD after the ascension of Christ to 70 AD, the destruction of the temple, which uh, has not ever been uh, rebuilt. And um, no need ever for it to be. We don't ever want it to be rebuilt because Christ is our temple. He is our final full sacrifice. The passage that Peter quotes from Joel in Acts 2 also goes on. It doesn't, it, it talks about, it says the last day is God's going to pour out his spirit. They're going to prophesy, so on and so forth. That's exactly what was going on there with the tongues and what Peter's describing. I think as a side note here, this is another great um, place to go to defend uh, the teaching of cessationism, which that is, well, I believe, it is the Reformed teaching that the miraculous uh, gifts of, of the revelational gifts of you know, prophecy, speaking in tongues, uh, mainly those, uh, those gifts have ceased. They are no longer normative and uh, in use as they were in this first century. I believe before 70... Uh, the, Joel 2 here, Peter's, Peter's use of Joel 2, uh, which calls the last days, those last days that Peter was in, means that If, if it ends there at 70 A.D. with the ending of, that's the last, with the destruction of the temple, it's the ending of the Jewish, the, the, the last few years of the Jewish temple sacrificial system. Um, and that's the time period. If, if we've been given here the time period for when the, uh, the spirits can be poured out and they're um, poured out and they're going to see prophe- speak prophecies and see visions and speak in tongues and all this. The, the time frame given for that it is the last days, quote-unquote. And if those last days are from, uh, from Pentecost to the destruction of the temple, which took place in 70 AD, then that means the, that special pouring out of prophecy and special revelation ended there at 70 AD. The time frame is given for us because after that, that's no longer the last days that was referred to by Joel to applied by the Apostle Peter to his day, the last days of the overlap period. Furthermore, the latter portion of the quote that Peter draws from Joel 2 which would be Acts 2, verses 19 through 21. The quote transitions, the first couple of verses, 17 and 18, we're talking about the pouring out of the Spirit and the prophesying, the seeing of visions and dreaming of dreams and all that. Then in verse 19 and 21, it begins to kind of switch the quote from Joel. And he begins to talk about the wonders and the signs and blood and fire and smoke and sun be turned to darkness and moon to blood before the great day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. There it is, the, the term the day of the Lord. People, again, that's one of the things, just like the term last days, they assume it means the second coming of Christ at the end of history. 
but that there is referring, as it's used multiple times throughout, many, many times throughout the Old Testament and the prophets, the, the day of the Lord, the great day of the Lord, um, that is used many times to refer to the destruction of the temple because it was not merely a historical event where the Romans attacked and destroyed Jerusalem. It was a um, theological event. It was uh, divine judgment from God upon apostate Israel who were unfaithful, went to other gods, and they were finally sent to Christ. They rejected and gave him up, saying, We have no king but Caesar. So God judges them as the gospel then goes out to all the world, to the Gentiles, to all the nations. It's kind of like if you remember that parable that Jesus told about the vineyard owner. He has these tenants taking care of his vineyard. And he goes away on business or travel or whatever. And he sends servants to check up on the tenants or whatever. Check up on his vineyard. And they beat him. They beat up the the servants that the vineyard owner sends, and he sends several rounds of them. And then finally, in the parable, he thinks to himself, well, I'll send my son, surely they'll honor him. And they go, and the evil, wicked tenants see the vineyard owner's son coming, and what do they do? They, they kill him. They beat him and kill him. And Jesus was leveling that parable against the Jewish people. God had sent his covenant, old covenant people Prophets. I mean, they had Moses, they had the law, they had all the promises of Abraham, and they had uh, the prophets, one after another after another. And they did not listen. They didn't listen to the prophets. They did not return to the Lord. So God finally sends his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to his people. And the Jew, the Jewish people rejected him. They, they despised him. They said in John 19, we have no king but Caesar. Caesar's trying to say, you know, Pilate's trying to say, um, look, I find no fault in this man, Jesus. Why, why do you want to kill him? I'll give you Barabbas. They say, no, give us Barabbas. We have no king but Caesar. It's the ultimate rejection, the ultimate rebellion and apostasy. So God judges them rightly. And that was what was going on. And that's why it was called and prophesied about by the prophets who were sent to them. But as this great day of the Lord where there's going to be uh, blood and fire and smoke and um, all of these prophetic apocalyptic uh, images used to, to describe the horror and the tribulation of that day. Great day of the Lord. God came on the clouds in judgment on the day of the Lord. To judge a wicked generation. And so uh, that's what this is not just me speculating my thoughts onto the text here. This is looking at the way the inspired Apostle Peter uses that prophecy of Joel 2. He takes it and he says what Joel prophesied is what's going on right now. These are the last days he prophesied about. So, I hope you see that. Because for us to take that then and apply it to some time, 2,000 years and counting in the future, 
is unwarranted, 100% unwarranted from the text. There's no basis whatsoever for us to do that. There's every basis for us to believe that Peter was inspired by the Holy Spirit when he said, this going on here is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And we believe it. And so I hope that maybe sheds some light and some help for you on this text. And uh, I hope that is uh, beneficial and good for all of you listening. Thank you.